You're listening to Green Biz Radio, the voice of GreenBiz.com, bringing you news and analysis on business, the environment, and the bottom line. For Green Biz Radio, I'm Matthew Wieland. Whether it's salmonella in food or bisphenol A in baby bottles, product safety has become one of the biggest green business issues of the day. It's a topic that garners major attention from corporations, individuals, the media, and legislators alike. BPA is a great example of how quickly and thoroughly this heightened awareness of toxic products can change the market. Rich Leroff, the executive director of the Investor Environmental Health Network, says that in a short span of time, BPA has basically come off the market for sports bottles and baby bottles. Leroff has long been a leader in the push for a safer chemicals policy and has been working with companies to encourage them to take greater responsibility for what goes into their products and supply chains. I spoke with Rich last month in advance of our Greener by Design conference, where he'll be a member of an all-star lineup of speakers and presenters looking at how to design greener products for leaner times. Rich, thanks so much for taking the time to talk today. Uh, I wanted to talk to you because last year when, when I interviewed you for our State of Green Business report, you gave me what you called at the time an extended version of the standard Leroff wrap. And it was a really useful and clear overview of what's happening around growing public concern about toxic chemicals. And I wondered, would you give our listeners a, a sort of abbreviated rundown of that? Thanks, Matt. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, give you the Leroff wrap. Uh, the basic layoff wrap is that companies really need to pay attention to their toxic footprint. We hear a lot of talk these days about climate footprint. Uh, we hear growing talk about water foot- footprint. Companies really need to be thinking about what their toxic footprint is. Uh, at the Investor Environmental Health Network, we think that companies uh, should be adopting safer chemicals policies. They should know the chemicals in their products, and they should systematically be working to reduce the toxicity of the chemicals in the products that they make. Uh, There are lots of very good business reasons for doing this. There is, of course, reputational risk. There is the potential for being shut out of the marketplace if a regulator says you can't sell a product containing chemical X or chemical Y. There is, of course, the litigation risk, and then there is also the possibility of being shut out of a marketplace even if regulators haven't acted, but some big private sector purchaser decides to act on a chemical. For example, last year, even though bisphenol A in plastic baby bottles has been declared by the Food and Drug Administration to be safe, Lots of retailers like Walmart and Toys R Us said, no, we're not going to carry those baby bottles. The story isn't, uh, the business case isn't all a negative one. Really, the business case is a double-edged sword. For all the risks that companies uh, run if they don't know the chemicals in their products or if they have chemicals that become subject to regulation or litigation, the flip side is that companies that follow emerging science, see risks are emerging, they can take early steps to be first entrance as uh, older products are regulated out of the marketplace and room is created for newer products. So, for example, again, in the 
plastic bottle space, those companies which saw the changes in the marketplace coming switched over to alternative plastics or provided uh, increasing numbers of steel and aluminum bottles, and uh, they benefited from the BPA controversy last year. The other example that I had been thinking about when I thought of BPA was I felt like it was a little far-flung, but I think in light of our discussion of of the lining of of canned food, it's maybe not as far-flung as I had thought. Uh, And so the other example was the use of pesticides in food. And I know that your organization, the Investor Environmental Health Network, just had a a major success along those lines. Will you tell us about that? Uh, People tend to think of agriculture as either conventional agriculture or organic agriculture. Uh, But in fact, conventional agriculture uh, operates with many different uh, amounts uh, of pesticide. And the objective of our engagement with McDonald's and with other companies is to encourage them to encourage their suppliers to reduce their reliance on pesticides where they can, even if they're not going organic, at least reduce the amounts of pesticides that they're using uh, on, on the fruits and vegetables that they're growing. There are quite a number of companies that have been doing this for a very long time. Cisco, which is a supplier to Wendy's, has been doing this for uh, several years. In the Corporate Social Responsibility Report, uh, they report on uh, the reduced use of pesticides by their growers. Uh, General Mills has done the same thing, and in fact, General Mills has published in their CSR report uh, future goals for further reduction in pesticide use, and Campbell's has been doing this for about 20 years. Uh, the benefits are, are not only to farm workers and to local agricultural communities, but also to the bottom line, because uh, a lot of these reduced pesticide use strategies save money. Uh, we approached McDonald's on pesticide use reduction because they're just such a huge consumer of uh, fruits and vegetables, particularly potatoes. They're the number one buyer of potatoes in the United States. Uh, I think the number is something like 2 billion pounds a year. And uh, so what we've done is we've reached an agreement with McDonald's for them to examine some of the uh, metrics and programs that have been developed by other companies and by researchers and to see how they can apply these uh, metrics and management systems to their own potato supply chain. I I would emphasize that we're not dictating to them how they should do this. We're simply encouraging them to look at the opportunities that are available to them because we think that since they're such a big player in the marketplace, if they begin to move, then this can move reduced pesticide use that much farther and faster in the agricultural community. So from the sort of most basic level of growing food to much more complex uh, manufacturing processes like sport water bottles or baby bottles, we've got a couple of examples of how companies are working to reduce toxics. Are there any other notable examples that you're seeing, uh, ways that companies are looking at or removing toxics from their products? There are quite quite a number of companies which have adopted various methods for lowering the toxicity of their of their product lines. 
Perhaps the most noteworthy example is S.C. Johnson & Son, privately held company, and they have a program called the Greenlist Process where they score all the chemicals that are being used in their products, zero from the least desirable to three being the most desirable. Uh, they total up uh, the chemical use for all their product categories, and their objective is to raise their toxic chemical score over time. And they, this is a core uh, strategic objective of the company. It's built into their compensation system. It's built into their, their training system, and they've had some degree of success with it. And uh, what they found is, uh, for example, in their very well-known Blue Windex product, is that the search for lower toxicity formulations can drive innovation. In the case of Blue Windex, several years ago, they reformulated, got rid of some toxic chemicals, increased the effectiveness of the product by 30%, and gained both sales and market share. There are other companies like Nike, like Dell, uh, overseas companies like Marks & Spencer, Samsung, all of which are... Uh, say, developing restricted substances lists, identifying chemicals that they are targeting for uh, restriction or reduction, um, and uh, they, they're making progress. And I think they uh, derive the benefit of, of enhancing their reputations, enhancing their, their green credentials, and they reduce the risk of being locked out of various markets as the science grows around various chemicals of concern. And I think your example of S.C. Johnson is fantastic. I mean, they're leading on this in so many ways. And it sounds like they're also getting almost any benefit you can imagine from this. So what is keeping companies, uh, what is preventing companies from, from starting these projects or taking these uh, projects farther? I think to some extent it's, a, it's an issue of prioritization. And over and over again, it seems to me that the key factor is uh, C-suite interest. Is the CEO interested? Is senior management interested? Do they understand uh, how important toxic chemicals can be in terms of uh, return on investment? Uh, there's this great video that Lee Scott, the former CEO of Walmart, did in, in the context of their very, very well-known sustainability program. And he, he, he describes himself as being sort of a traditional compliance guy. Well, of course, we're going to be in compliance with the law and we'll be fine. And then he says that he, and he had some sort of a, aha moment where he realized that uh, there's a lot to be said for going beyond compliance for uh, looking seriously at sustainability in the business and seeing what sort of business benefits uh, could be derived from that, in addition, of course, to the, the uh, social benefits. And so part of Walmart's sustainability program is um, screening chemicals. They've identified a number of chemicals that uh, they don't want to be selling, and they are now pilot testing uh, some sort of, uh, of, of scorecard or, or screening process where are looking at the chemical characteristics of the chemicals in their product lines, and they're going to be encouraging the suppliers to uh, provide them with uh, safer products from a, from, a, from a toxics perspective.
Rich, you've been blogging for greenbiz.com and our other websites for some time now, and, and recently, I think it might be your most recent post, had the intriguing headline, the FDA legalizes salmonella. What was the, what was the idea behind that? The idea behind that is that it's not sufficient for companies, especially consumer-friendly companies, to say, well, we comply with the law or we, we observe all rules and regulations. Uh, people expect more now. Uh, because as the bisphenol A example illustrates, regulation uh, is, a, is a lagging indicator. Uh, new science is popping up every day, uh, underscoring the hazards from various chemicals, especially the small amounts of chemicals in everyday products that pregnant women may be exposed to, that young children may be exposed to. So companies need to be paying attention to this emerging science. They need to get ahead of the game both to protect their reputations, avoid liability, um, and conversely, to take advantage of the business opportunities that uh, might surface, the positive ones, when uh, old chemicals get phased out and space is created in the marketplace for new chemicals. Great. Rich, thanks so much for your time today. I look forward to hearing a lot more from you at our Greener by Design conference coming up next month in San Francisco. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak with you today, Matt, and I'm very much looking forward to that conference. You've been listening to Green Biz Radio. For the latest daily news on business, the environment, and the bottom line, and to sign up for our free newsletters, visit greenbiz.com.